0: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward-Hog, Ward Scott here in the Manly warthog Man Cave in the piney woods of north-central Florida, which, as you know by now, is God's country. Even though it is hotter and blazes all over the world... It's still hot here, too, but inside the Warthog Command Center, uh, we're chilling right now. We're having a good time. Uh, we are, of course, in the Mellon Law studio. Mellon Law is a big supporter of ours. And Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators and a full-service law firm. And we're protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention, our good friends Don Pastore and Randy Elrad. And, of course, we are sponsored by all the great sponsors you see on the Spot Cleaners Take it to on the spot. Great people. What I like are the local business people who work themselves up in their own business. Uh, Poser, MD, is a new one with us. He is, uh, of course, locally uh, a reconstructive surgeon. Uh, RR Construction, Lance Lunger, great guy. Uh, supported us through thick and thin forever and a day. Has done a lot of work for me. Shoot GTR if you are so inclined to practice your skills. This is the safest place in North Florida to practice. And Style Cuts, if you want to get your ears set out, as my father used to say when he told me to get a haircut, go see David Ratliff and his crew at Style Cuts right there around the corner from Bill Penner Shoes. It's uh, a great uh, long-time group of people. We also share a lot of information with the of Chronicle, uh, our good friends, Len Cabrera, and uh, uh, they uh, uh, present really what we don't get from the Gainesville Sunset anymore too much. So a lot of the things, Judy, Ocasio Allstate is a good supporter of ours. So uh, and a lot of people who are donating silently and quietly to help us uh, keep the show going uh, at a level that can bring you some of the best guests that we have today with Fitz Kohler, who I've had on the show a while back, but uh, it's time to have her again, because um, I don't know of anybody who is more energetic and more positive that I bump into uh, sometimes in the gym, sometimes here, there and yonder uh, Then Fitz. Um, really remarkable person. When you find people who have energy, who are positive, and who are really messing around with some heavy-duty subjects that can get people down right quickly. I can tell you right now, as I haven't told Fitz this yet, but, you know, every time they do a job on Oh Uncle Joe Biden for being the age he is, I cringe because he's actually too much younger than I am. And uh, I say, oh, my God, you know, and they're always trying to put him on a banana peel and one foot in the grave. And I say, well, and I've even got an article that gives the statistical probability of whether or not he would live out his second term. Should he have one? And uh, it's all numbers, you know, it's statistics. And in the middle of all that, you've got to find positive attitudes. And I think fits and bodies that more than anybody I know right now There's a couple of other people, ladies, by the way in this community who are like this, but uh, Fitz has got a niche. Uh, She is health and fitness. Uh, She has been around the cancer world, the heart world, uh, Parkinson's, you name it. Uh, She's on top of that, one of the stellar announcers of events, national events, that uh, I want her to talk about some too, because a lot of people don't know she does this and that she's kind of a superstar on this. So uh, she's a motivational keynote speaker. She certainly motivates me just being around her. So, Fitz, welcome to the Ward Scott Files. I'm going to let you do your thing because you are a pro. Uh, You've got your own show, as I understand it, from time to time, and you go everywhere and do your own announcing. So I'm just holding you back, girl.
1: (laughs) Oh, I don't know if that's true, Ward. And I got to tell you, I could listen to you talk forever. I do love that Southern twang and your (laughs) of delivering information. It's so good. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't hear the Southern twang. You know, when I went to New York City years ago, uh, I had a lot of friends in the art world there in the writer world. I don't want name to name his drop, but Truman Capote and John Knowles and uh, James Jones and uh, a lot of, you know, well-known people. Um, I met Le- uh, I met Lena Horn and uh, Lauren McCall one night uh, in a place there and talked with them. Uh, and uh, really beautiful, charming women, as you might imagine, And they talked about the Southern accent, and I told them I don't hear it, baby dolls. I don't hear it at all. But boy, yeah, yeah, yeah! How far down are you from? You know, uh, (laughs) I I don't hear it at all. So there you go.
1: (laughs) So, what would you like to talk about, Ward?
0: I want to talk about where you just got back from to start with, because I'm intrigued by that.
1: Okay, so I just got back from Ohio, and you know, to be a little more descriptive about what I do, one of the things I do as a professional race announcer so i man the start and finish lines of some of the largest most iconic running events in the united states so uh some of my marquee events people might recognize are the los angeles marathon buffalo marathon big sur fargo marathons route 66 gasparilla in tampa the donna foundation and and a ton others so i most of my weekends are tied up uh, cheering for athletes and providing big structure to those events so this weekend i was in ohio supporting about 30 of the fastest women in america in america at the us atf women's 6k championship and boy these women they carry probably every track and field and cross-country title in America, in all divisions of collegiate athletics. And then we had uh, Olympian, and it's just so fun. And those, I kicked off those women for their race and then immediately invited hundreds of, we call them community runners, just regular Jills and Janes, to go follow them into a 6K. And it's just a lot of fun. Just, it's, it's such a blessing and a pleasure to support athletes of all, at all levels, and it's a really fun environment. How did you get into that? So I was speaking for Run Disney. So Walt Disney World has an endurance race series and they were bringing me in as a sport performance expert, which I am. My master's degree is in exercise and sports sciences from the University of Florida. And so I was there just teaching uh, workshops like strength training for runners and a few others. And their race announcer, who's a dynamo, big voice, big personality, Rudy Rudy Novotny, He's my favorite race announcer. He was stuck introducing me every time I spoke. He was that guy like, here comes Fitz Kohler. And then he would be stuck listening to me. And he was just a raging fan of my work. And eventually he said, Fitz, I need a co-announcer for the OC Marathon in California in a few months. Are you interested? And I said, well, I've never done it before, but I what what you do looks enticing and I'd love to give it a try. So he connected me with the race director who went... He started off at Fitsness.com and did his due diligence. And then we had a phone call and he said, you know what, come and give it a try. And my first event, we had about 25,000 athletes. And within about an hour of yelling go for the first time, the race director came over and said, Fitz, could you please come back next year? And I said, and it's just really snowballed in the best way possible. And I, I believe I probably have the busiest race announcing schedule in the country. How long ago was that? It was May of 2014. Was my very first event.
0: Wow! So you've been doing it almost ten years. Yeah, and it's—I love it even more. Well, I just got a, a, a fan here. Do you do the Peach Tree? This listener wants to know.
1: I do not, but boy, am I available for <laughs> <Peach Tree. laughs> <I'll> announced that <laughs> race. Atlantic Track Club does a fantastic job, and it's a monster. And and for me, the more athletes, the better. I feed off huge numbers, so Peach Tree is great.
0: Well, you know, you're talking about races. Um, years and years ago, circa 1971-72, I ran in the Florida Relays in the Masters Division, won the quarter mile wow. as a Masters runner. And uh, I was training on the track at the time Jimmy Carnes was there. Okay. And I was training with Frank Shorter and um, uh, John Parker and uh, um, you know, Martin Lacory and uh, nice. you know, really guys that Really put track on the map here. Ben Vaughn came down, was a sprinter from Georgia Tech. Um, uh, You know, it it was just really uh, a great time. And Jimmy Carnes was great in that he would let me, uh, who was not a member of the track team, but I was uh, with the track club because they shorter formed a track club. You may have seen it. It has an orange on the front of a T-shirt. Yes, of course. Uh, He would let us train with the team. I mean, if the team didn't object and you could hold your own and run with them, why, you know, that, that's unheard of now with Holloway. Uh, that track is closed. to Any community participation, um, very sad. You know, community could come out in the evening and run at that track and train and you'd see ladies and children and older fellas out there running because we don't have a track, you know, right. an outdoor track of that university track. But Holloway shut all that down. Um, evidently, I mean somebody did, but with Jimmy Carnes, we could come out there and train. And um, I'm just—I was just always awed by um, the amount of discipline it took to shave a tenth of a second off uh, of a speed. Uh, you know how much went into it. I remember Frank Shorter would want run twenty quarters. All right, in those days they were quarters, not 400 meters. He would run twenty quarters. He would run them about 65 seconds with a 220 jog intervals. Clown. Now, the 220 jog interval was what killed you because you were on your toes and your calves. And that's how he trained for that, that uh, marathon, which in my, I think it was in Munich, I believe then. And uh, he won it. Um, next year, he came in second. You know, we had to always fight European blood doping and all that. But, uh, no, that was really interesting. So when you say marathon, um, the other thing, fits that we didn't have, we didn't have running shoes. Oh, um, yeah. We had all the United States was doing, making basketball shoes, Converse. Right. So we were ordering our running shoes out of track and field, and there were only two kinds you could get, Onesuka Tigers out of Japan, or you could get Adidas out of Germany. And so we went to Jimmy Carnes, and we said, Jimmy, Jimmy, um, We got to order these darn shoes. He says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start something called Athletic Attic. Yeah. And that's how they became Athletic Attic. And so we started being able to buy our. And America started making. And that's how Nike started because of Steve Prefontaine in in Eugene, Oregon. Went and wanted a shoe with a waffle bottom. Right, They didn't make one. So you know the story, they made one in in an actual waffle machine. right? And that was the beginning of the Nike shoot.
1: So it's interesting, we talk about these big names and so forth, but interestingly enough uh, the running industry is the largest in the world, it's the largest participation in sport on earth and where, you know, for example some universities are really proud to pack 50,000 people into their stadium. Some of our races 50,000 people line up to compete and Even though we love to put our fast athletes up on pedestals, you know, this is the everyman sport. And I I compare it to, you know, anyone you'd see at Walmart at 3 a.m. could easily show up at a start line of a 5K or a full marathon. And, you know, we probably have a good 20% of our athletes exclusively run whatever distance they've signed up for. And then we have 20% of our athletes exclusively walk. And then we've got this middle of the pack, which I'm included where I do running and walking at my leisure. Uh, but yeah, the running community is filled with walkers. And, um, you know, it's not like basketball and baseball where we have these very big celebrities. You know, no one's going to like messy what he's doing in Miami right now. There is no runner that's going to fill a stadium and people are going to pay 40,000 a ticket to go see. In fact, there are, there really are no household names in running, you know, who would, if you walked over to your neighbor's house and said, Hey, do you know who Meb Kafleski is? They'd say, no way, you know, Shalane Flanagan. They go, no way. I don't know who that person is. Most of your listeners probably have no idea. However, most of us can walk down the street and find someone who does, who shows up and does a community 5k or maybe travels across the country to go do something uh, adventurous. So it's, just such a wonderful place and as a fitness pro my goal is to get people out moving and the fact that these these quote-unquote races have become so welcoming to the masses to get up and just get moving means everything
0: well it's certainly um true that everybody can participate that's what makes it so interesting i was allowed to do that as a non-track member of the team by jimmy and um, learn so much from about discipline and what you can get out of yourself that you don't know is in there. Um, that, that, that is really uh, a takeaway, a lifetime takeaway learning uh, that you learn, and you go back and rely on it. And, um, I, I, you know, Dick Berkeley was the indoor mile champion then. He was on the front of Sports Illustrated. I think he ran a 354, something really fast. And um, he would allow me to do some interval training with him. Of course, he would run 20 times as many things as I did. But, you know, I would try to keep up with him because he was a – the milers were fast. They weren't as fast as we guys who ran the shorter races. Uh, But they were tough and strong and had endurance. So it was a good mix. He used to tie – Jingle bells to his shoestrings. He could hear the metronome. Ding, 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 ding. ding. And he knew how fast he was running by the sound of the jingle. Clever. Really, really neat. Here's the sad story about him, though, Fitz. I remember we were running intervals one night. God, I know. I said, Dick, you've run enough. He said, yeah, I think I have. Because the hardest thing to know in training is when you run too much. I learned that rest is as important as the the, the effort. That rest allows the re- renewed effort. And so I said, "Hey, Dick," I said, I'm, I, "I've had enough." He said, "I have to." And then he said, "Well, I think I'll go home and run some more on the house, on the street in front of the house while the wife cooks pizza." He trained on pizza. Sad ending that story. Dick did not go to the Olympics. Because of a stress fracture in his hip, in the trials leading up to the Olympics, overtrained, overtrained. Yeah, common story,
1: common story. Well, you know, you um, you mentioned discipline, and I really think, you know, so much. where sports in general. Whether you're walking uh, a race, or walking out in your neighborhood, or you're playing pickleball on the weekend, it's that discipline that translates over into your work, your professional life, and then of course uh, we're, we're talking about, uh, you mentioned cancer earlier. People say, well, how did you keep going? You know, how do you show up for 15 months of chemo? It's, it's that same mentality where you just say, I have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I have to keep moving forward. And, and athletes have that ability. And again, amateur athletes, pro athletes doesn't matter. It's that ability to keep moving forward and using those sports skills in life.
0: You want to go into that story a little bit more detail of your battle with the cancer world?
1: Yeah, yeah. So in uh, 2019, February of 2019, living my best life as an athlete, running races, lifting weights, doing all sorts of great things, two great kids. And uh, seven weeks after a crystal clear mammogram and my my doctor didn't miss anything. There wasn't there. I found a lump. I was at a race weekend. I got out of the shower. I rubbed my underboob. It was just like a scratch. And I thought, huh, that doesn't belong there. It felt like a bean in my breast. And I instantly picked up the phone, which is something people need to listen to. is If you find something weird, if your body throws up a red flag and has a sharp pain or a strange spot or a bump you don't recognize, you just pick up the phone and call. You don't, call go- you don't Google it. You don't call your mom or your bestie and cry. You just call and start setting things up. And so within about a week, I had had the appointment, which led to the mammogram and the ultrasound. And, you know, a local doc said, hey, yeah, that mass looks suspicious, but you also have three really hard swollen lymph nodes I'm concerned about, uh, which led to a biopsy. And, you know, again, within about a week of finding that lump, I was told, hey, Fitz, you have breast cancer, and it's running through you like wildfire, and we need to treat it aggressively. and So we did. And, you know, we're so blessed here in Gainesville with such elite medical care. My hematology oncologist, radiology oncologist and surgeon, I definitely consider the A team. And if we're lucky enough to have any one of them, they're they're in good hands. But I set off on 15 months of chemo, which was a long time (laughs) to have chemo, uh, a bunch of radiation, some surgery. And thankfully, You know, I came out on the other side of it cancer free. But, you know, I made a lot of good decisions that helped me get through it. And, uh, you know, it's it's perspective. You know, I never had the why me moment, you know, where people always say, oh, why you? You are so fit. And I thought, you know what? Let's play a pediatric oncology ward here in Gainesville. Why them? You know, if a a baby's going to have cancer, I'm certainly not going to question why I have it. And so I kept that perspective. Hey, I'm not a baby with cancer or a kid. It's not my kid with cancer. I'm a, a, a adult of sound mind. I can get through this and I will. And then I chose to pursue my passions. And so while so many people are saying, like, stay home and rest. And of course, with the COVID, hide out, put on a mask and a balloon and shield yourself from society. What I decided is, screw that. Cancer is going to take my hair. It's going to take some of my good feelings and it did, but it wasn't taking time with my kids and it certainly wasn't taking my career. So I boarded over 30 planes out of Gainesville, Florida uh, to go announce these monster races and do keynote presentations. And even though the travel was hard on me and, and certainly I had some wacky intense moments because of it, you know, when I stepped on my stages even if I had spent the night on the hotel bathroom floor, and you know, when the world's spinning, that's apparently the right place to be, but I would get up, and i get over to my stage, and the second I would get on that microphone, every single thing that was wrong with me would disappear. I was not sick. I was not tired. I was not suffering. I was just filled with joy and adrenaline and thrilled to be doing the thing that I love to do, and so, you know, there was a few powerful decisions within my own cancer experience that I thought, well you know, other people would benefit from these things, you know, it's like, what's your passion and whatever it is, when things hit the fan, you don't give up on your passions. You lean into them and you use them to carry you through whatever you're going through, whether you've been hit by lightning or you have diagnosed with Parkinson's, you know, there are things you should be doing taking care of your mental health. And then, you know, of course uh, the physical health was a real Priority for me. And uh, when I got about halfway, well, my chemo was broken into fifth, uh, 21 rounds of chemotherapy, but the first six were vicious. It was a vicious concoction. My doctor said it was like the meanest concoction he gave anybody for anything. And, uh, you know, chemo number one is scary because of the unknown, right? You go in thinking, oh, this is pretty intimidating. Uh, but every chemo after that is far more intimidating because of the known right? You know exactly. For me, I knew what was going to happen and I (laughs) feared it for sure. And so when I went in for my final round of the really mean stuff, my doctor said, he goes, Fitz, I'm so proud of you. You're doing great. And I said, I'm not doing great. He said, no, Fitz, you're doing so great. And I said, why are you saying that? I have zero hair. My fingernails have ripped off. My digestive system's a train wreck. Every iota of my body has been brutalized in some way, shape or form. Why are you saying I'm doing great? He said, Fitz, I'm not saying you haven't suffered. You have suffered greatly. However, if you were not so committed to health and fitness coming into this and through it during, he said, you would not have been able to get on planes and travel all around the country doing what you do. If you were not so committed to your health, You likely would have been hospital for more than just one night. I was one night. He said, likely would have been in the hospital for a month. You might have had a feeding tube, which could have set you up for infection. So it's not that you haven't suffered. It's that you have really uh, thrived in unique ways because of your health and fitness. So that was a real light bulb moment for me. And so, you know, as treatment continued, the effects, you know, no matter how hard I worked, they had their their effect on me. And it was about the place where uh, my mom leans in and she says, you got to eat. You look like you were in Auschwitz. And I said, Oh, thanks mom. <laughs> thanks so much. And I was really thin and uh, bald and I had the look, but I went to gain a health and fitness after, um, after my surgery, after I'd been released to go back to lifting weights full force. So I go mm-hmm. in there. I'm super excited to get back into the gym. And so I sit down on one of the machines and I put in the weight I used to lift And I push and nothing happens. (laughs) Then I I have to lower the pin and I push again and nothing happens. And what I what I realized is I had lost eighty percent of my strength.
0: Yeah.
1: Eighty. And so, whoa, you know, that was that was alarming. But as
0: I thought that's called deconditioned.
1: Well, yeah, it is called called being dragged behind a horse for long. So um At that moment, Ward, I never had a doubt that I would rebuild my body and get my health and athleticism back. Why? Because I'm a fitness expert. Lucky me. I I know how to do this stuff. But at the same time, I thought about all of my millions of peers around the world, other cancer patients that are being beaten up by their treatment and their disease, and they have no um, way, they have no knowledge on how to get back to living healthy and feeling good. And so that's why I wrote the books. I wrote your healthy cancer comeback and my noisy cancer comeback and the healthy cancer comeback journal specifically because I realized, whoa, this is awful. And you know why all oncologists and nurses are telling their patients, you should exercise and eat right. Nobody's telling them how. And so I wrote the book.
0: Now let's let's push that book. Hold that up again. Don't get in a hurry to take that down. Your healthy cancer comeback sick to strong and healthy cancer comeback journal yeah. where may they find this Fitz?
1: yeah thanks ward so they are available wherever books are sold barnes and noble amazon etc but if people come to fitness.com, that's f-i-t-z as in zebra n-e-s-s.com uh, i do sign copies off of my own personal website i have them in a three pack it's my noisy cancer comeback your healthy cancer comeback and the healthy cancer comeback journal i pack it up i sign them all i send it off with presents and you know, I, I hope that 0% of your listeners have cancer ward. I hope none of them have any cancer of any sort. But I do believe that every last one of them cares about someone with cancer, right? We all love someone and all we think is, I wish I could help. So instead of sending them another blanket, these books and give them the knowledge and empower them to get healthy again. And exercise and nutrition is proven to help cancer patients reach remission and decrease their chances of recurrence. So that's a, That's a really important thing to focus on.
0: Well, with Fitz Kohler, who is just, as you can see, full of energy and uh, a real um, beacon in the dark here for so many people who can get down once in a while and. Need somebody to help them see the positive side of things, it's not always easy. And there's other factors in it when we get back from the break. I want to talk with her about because there's the aging process that in- enters all this and kind of throws it a curve. And and uh, it's not an easy thing to accept your mortality is inevitable. And uh, some people get an extended stay. I was sharing with Fitz the story of my mother who lived to be 107 and a half. And um, Channel 20 did a couple of specials on her, by the way, uh, Fitz. They did special on her when she turned 100. They did another one when she turned 103 or 4. I can't remember. And um, she was just as as, uh, energetic then as you can, uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, And uh, and she's one of these people, Fitz, who who never had cancer, never touched her, and um, never was sick. Somehow, some way, it just didn't, you know, find her. And the irony is she was born three months after the Titanic sank. And oh, wow. in her day, they didn't have doctors that she went to all the time for regular checkups. Um, it just didn't, wasn't around, you know. So it's probably genetic. Um, it's, uh, you know, there it is. It's a mystery. I remember one time we did have to take her over to the hospital because we thought she might have some sort of uh, issue of respiratory. So we took her to Shan's. And uh, I called over to check on her later in the day to the nurse's station. And I asked the nurse's station, I said, you know, my mother is on your floor there. Oh, don't worry. We have her right across the hall from the nurse's station. We can keep an eye on her. And I said, well, how is she doing? And, she, and they said, you don't have to worry about her. Every doctor and shans has come to her room to see her because they've never seen a woman 105 years old. Wow. And uh, I said, OK, everything's cool. <laughs> I mean, they just didn't ever see him. And I I got to tell you, it's a it's a whole statistical world by and of, in and of itself. Uh, it's wild. So and she was an athlete. She was uh, an athlete. She always ate well. She worked out. She was just a dancer and, um, and all that kind of business was, uh, you know, always a, a trim woman and in good shape. So that's my story about. Longevity and, um, you know, getting along down the road. Eventually, of course, she got to be old and um, and um, but she never really, really had any suffering to speak of. Uh, very, very fortunate I respect. Tom Fitzgerald, we're going to come back in a moment uh, after our break in the bottom of the hour for our weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Great sponsor of, of the Ward Scott Files. And then we'll resume our discussion with this very energetic positive influence in our lives. It's cold. Be right back. Stay tuned.
1: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy.
0: Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. We are going to do Ward's weather report. Brought to you by Lewis Oil, fossil fuel. Great Chevron stations patronize. Lewis Oil, Wendell Lewis, great supporter. Um, it's hot. It's going to get up into the nineties, and I don't know what a heat index means. I mean, it's a mystery to me. If it's hot, it's hot, okay? A heat index, I don't know what that thing is, but it's gonna be a hot heat index, too. But you know, and we know it's flooding on the east coast and flooding on the west coast, but Arizona, I ran across this story, I thought I'd share it with you. In Arizona, the Scottsdale City Council. As unanimously agreed just this week. Are you ready for this? To ban natural grass in front of future single family homes in order to conserve water. You know, there's a lot of talk about climate change and global warming. I think the real issue for humans is going to be water. And this makes me think of that. No more front yard? Imagine how people love to have a home. And a front yard, and they get a lawnmower, and they they go out, no more front yard in Arizona, yard, period. Uh, This is only going to be applying to new houses, of course, that would be permitted after August 15th. But Scottsdale wants to try to lead the way in water conservation practices and begin setting an example for other communities. Already you can see in development, so to speak, that yards are shrinking. We even have zero lot lines, and people just don't have yards anymore. Uh, so, the whole dynamics of home ownership is changing quite a bit. And a lot of them will be uh, different ways of neighborhoods. Neighborhoods will be very, very much different. And uh, it'll be a place where kids that are around right now grow up, they won't know what it was to have had a yard, perhaps. So, these long term drought situations are going to take their toll. Uh, prior to the natural grass ordinance, uh, the Scottsdale officials had asked residents to use 5% less water. Uh, you've heard all that. We do that periodically around here. And people are perplexed, even though Florida has a lot of water and we seem to get replenished by the hurricanes. But um, you'll ride by a commercial development, and I've done it, you've done it, and seen these water fountain sprinklers going. Watering what? The parking lot? So, there's a lot of room to have some sensible approach to this, and I thought I'd share that with you. So, there we are. The scorching temperatures are bringing a change to Scottsdale, Arizona. We're talking with Pitts here. We're going to talk a little bit now about older people. We've Mm -hmm. talked about races and marathons and athletics. We've talked about cancer. But you know, everybody is going to get older. I remember being in a Uh, drugstore, if that's what they're called, one day with Harry Cruz. And Harry Cruz had had polio as a child and survived it, but in older age, it was coming back on him. And he was beginning to walk with a walker and he eventually, that did him in, it came back. But I remember we were standing in, uh, uh, in those days there were Eckerd's, I think, and Harry looked around at all the things that are in a Pharmacy and a drugstore, and there are canes and there are braces and there are this band, all this stuff. And he looked at me and he said, Ward, there ain't no way if you live long enough, you ain't gonna need some of this stuff. <laughs> so, there you are, Fitz. What's your experience with uh, those of us who are quote unquote the senior citizens?
1: Well, you know what? We get we age by uh good fortune right? I almost had old age stricken uh, stripped from me a few years ago, which wasn't a lot of fun. So I'm hoping, right? I'm looking forward to hoping, making it to my 80s and 90s and maybe beyond like your mom. But, you know, two things. A, if you can prepare for that, if you're listening right now, wherever you are, start taking care of your health. You know, I always say prepare your body for battle because you never know when injury or illness will strike. And if you are strong and fit going into any sort of crisis, you will be far more likely to rebound and recover more efficiently and effectively if you are healthy and fit. But as you age, you're right. I mean, life doesn't get any easier. It's certainly not easier to move in your 80s versus your 20s. And so uh, movement is necessary. Fitness is necessary. If you are not getting stronger, you are getting weaker. And as you age, we know that one of the leading causes of premature death for our senior population are false. And so you don't have to be who you were in high school. You don't have to be who you were in your 30s. You just have to keep trying to get 1% better, right? So the pillars of fitness are strength, cardiovascular fitness, flexibility, and balance. And they're all really necessary for us to have quality of life. And so strength is your ability to push, pull, press, lift against resistance, picking up groceries, shutting your trunk, carrying things across your house, that requires strength. If you aren't focusing on getting stronger, you're getting weaker. And then all of a sudden you fall down or you have injuries because you couldn't carry the groceries. Cardiovascular fitness, that's your stamina. Can you continue to do the things you want to do? Can you golf? Can you dance? Can you shop with your grandkids? Can you just go about doing the things you need to do without huffing and puffing and feeling miserable? Very important. Flexibility. You know, you're your, your joints are made to move in a variety of ways. For example, our shoulder does this 360 degree loop. Hopefully people are going through those motions, testing your joints, keeping your mat- muscles pliable. I mean, it requires basic stretching, nothing. You don't have to be a yoga guru. You just have to extend your muscles, all of them, and that decreases your chance of sprains, strains, and tears. And then last but not least, balance training. And balance training is so important So you don't fall down and it can be done as simply as just standing on one foot, just stand on one foot, hold on to a wall or a chair, something stable when you get started to to make sure you're steady. But if you can stand on one foot and only wobble a little bit, then you're making progress. You know, if that's easy for you, you can stand on one foot and flap your arms, but you know, it's, it's just about controlling what you can, when you can doing what you can, when you can. So if you just you know, challenge yourself in a little bit in all four categories today or two categories of fitness, then you continue to maintain your fitness and hopefully get better. And life doesn't get harder or worse.
0: Well, that balance is really important. Um, yes, it is. You know, it's um, I don't know what happens to it. <laughs> it uh, the Things that you take for granted when uh, I, I, I give you an example. It's um, University of Florida football stadium. Yes. Has no railings. Right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Good, good point. Yeah. I used to run those steps backwards and forwards. I can't go down them now to my seat. Wow. There's no railing. Wow. I mean, I can, but there's no railing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's tricky.
0: The whole thing is not, they got to tear that down and start all over again, which they're going to do. I mean, come on, you know, you you never notice that. You never even care about it until you reach a certain age. And you start down the steps, you say, wait a minute here. Where's the railing? Well, there's never been a railing. Oh, my God, really? And uh, I've talked about that with guys, you know. We don't we don't get down and up those steps anymore like we did. You know, we used to do them all the time. We don't do them anymore. It's too too dangerous,
1: you know. You know, what you just brought up is that quality of life. You know, I reference dancing and golfing and shopping, but football, being able to get into that stadium and cheer, get all sweaty and nasty and loud with fellow Gators, that's a big deal. If you do not work to preserve your strength and your stamina and your balance. You get that's taken from you. So you know, maybe some of the twenty-two year olds are working on looking hot in the bikini on the beach. And I think as we age, we start thinking, okay, how do I feel good? How do I keep my body performing well? Right? I mean, I I don't know how many people in their grown-up status are are really thinking about looking hot in the bikini on the beach. We're thinking, how how do I keep my back from hurting? Right? And how do I keep doing the things I love to do? And so. Uh, It's important to be compassionate about yourself or with yourself and know like when I was doing cancer, I knew I just couldn't be the girl I was before yet. Uh, But it's that 1% goal. If you laser focus strength, cardio, flexibility, balance, put a little bit of effort towards those most days of the week, you get to continue doing the things you love to do. And, you know, gayer football ranks at the top of fun things to do in this world, right?
0: Well, I uh, shared that story with you because it's uh, – um, once upon a time, as I said, you know, running that stadium was, you know, not a piece of cake, but it was something oh. we did. And um, now I don't even – I don't even go to it to my seat. <laughs> it's just not – you know, you can, but you, then you think, well, if you fall out here, who's going to grab you? And, you know, you're going down and you're yeah. going – you know, because there's no everybody's watching the game or – or that sort of thing, these things start entering your mind um, yeah. as certain vulnerabilities become obvious. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just wild. You know, walking on a treadmill, for example, um, used to be I ran on a treadmill.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't do that now. I don't run on a treadmill now. And I hold on when I walk on a treadmill. For one thing, everybody takes for granted the power won't go off.
1: Oh right, yeah, that's an awkward well,
0: moment. Well, if the power goes off, and you're running lickety split on a treadmill. I don't care what age you are, you got issues, you know. Yeah. So we're uh, wary of treadmills. They're 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 uh, they depend on power uh, power source, you
1: know. So so Ward, it's not about uh, avoiding the realities that life gets trickier as we age, right? But it's How do we, how do we maneuver, right? How do we prepare ourselves to meet those obstacles? And how do we, how do we improve anyways? How do we keep going anyways? I mean, we could look all around and say, well, this is not what it used to be. And it's not what it used to be. Okay. Well, what is it today? What can you do today? Forget about your old track practices and forget about, just think about, this is the body I have right now. What do I do to make it better? And I see you in the gym making it better. You know, there's, there's (laughs) you could do today and moving forward to get back to a place where walking down and up that stadium doesn't feel so bad. You know, you do have control over your own progress and, and your own decline. So I say progress, less decline. (laughs)
0: decline. Thelma Fitz, uh, you know, Fitz, um, let's hold that book up again. I want people to know what that book is. we got people tuning in different times. There it is. Your healthy cancer comeback. Uh, I didn't tell me how you wrote that. You started out just keeping a journal.
1: No, um, no, I didn't. So my noisy cancer comeback is the memoir, and I I'll, everything I reference is very uh, poignant, you know. I, so dates and things were very easy to reference, but this one, this really just didn't exist before when I was going through cancer. I just I'm curious, I started looking online. There were no books for cancer patients getting fit. There's some weird diet books, which I think, OMG, dieting while well, cancer, but. Um, there was nothing. And I think what the world needed is for this fitness expert to go through hell with the treatment triathlon, I call it, right? Chemo, radiation, and surgeries and do something about it. And this book actually holds the hand of somebody from the second they're diagnosed, takes them through how do you exercise during chemo or su- surgery or radiation. And, you know, I had breast cancer, but this book is not about breast cancer. It's about anyone with any type of cancer. And so, I'll show you a few things. The inside, this is, a oh, seven. it's called everything exercise. And so there's over a hundred photos of regular stuff anyone would do on their feet using fans and light and dumbbells. So simple stuff. However, let's say cancer and its treatment has uh, stolen your ability to stand up. So here's a ton of exercises you can do wow. there, you know, so. Can you do cardio and strength and flexibility motions in a chair? Absolutely. Can you use that chair for balance? Yes. And then if you're like me and you are sick and I was so, so sick, I had a lot of stay in bed days, but stay in bed. If you stay in bed and do nothing, you will continue to deteriorate. And the last thing a cancer patient needs is to get weaker and atrophy more and lose flexibility and mobility. So here's a whole bunch of exercises you can do while lying in bed, watching TV. And then um, (laughs) one of my favorite sections is because I was a very sick person. I was in the shower like five five times a day. Thankfully, the bald head made that easy. But here are stretches you can do in the shower. And so that was a real go-to for me, like, okay, this is gross. I feel awful. I'm back in the shower. However what can I do to serve myself now? So I would put my cell phone on the ledge and I would play Jerry Seinfeld interviews because he makes me happy. So I just thought, okay, I'll keep Jerry Seinfeld on and I will stretch while I let the water pour over me. And so, you know, the book is just really thorough on the how do you handle exercise with surgery and radiation and so forth. There's a chapter called food that helps versus food that hurts to help you choose foods that will help you prevent infection and help you get your body closer to remission. Again, there's endless studies. This is not hocus pocus stuff. There's nothing in here that isn't statistically proven to benefit a cancer patient. But if you want to reach remission, hey, get your body stronger, make your body a cancer fighting machine. And and people, they, you know, exhibit A is when they get a cold, they think I got to get vitamin C. All right, that's if you have a cold. Imagine if you have cancer. You really need to jack up your immune system, and you can. And then there's chapters on uh, complementary care, you know, a massage therapy, acupuncture, mental health counseling, sexual health counseling. You know, when you go through this stuff, and depending on what's being treated, you know, perhaps your body has tra- changed, which will change your relationship with yourself or your partner, or you have a partner that's worried about hurting you. And so I, I I just hit it at all aspects, and before I published it, I ran it by half a dozen oncologists and registered dietitian, and said, "Tell me where I got it wrong." And then they all came back and said, "Oh my gosh, this is incredible!" And uh, oncologists have been buying it in bulk for their patients. They're saying Great. this is what we want our 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 patients need this. So I'm I'm so proud of that and. Word, you know how when pregnant women get diagnosed with, or not diagnosed, when pregnant women get pregnant, every one of them gets the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. My goal and for the rest of my life is to get your healthy cancer comeback in the hands of every cancer patient on earth, because they need it, and uh, they do have some power over their own outcomes. I just want to
0: teach them how. Well, the cover is so intriguing. Did you come up with a color scheme and way? What-
1: so I did. It's funny because uh you know when you go through cancer everything is drab and dreary and scary yeah. gray and beige and I just decided I wanted happy. I don't want ribbons on any of my products, any of my books. I don't want I just don't want the victim side of cancer. I wanted power. And so I actually used a local graphic designer and I said, "Give it I want a white background. I want big fun colors." And uh she went for it and it's really important to me that when a cancer patient opens my books, like this journal, that they think, ooh, that looks fun. You know, I, need, I need them to be lightened up by this content as opposed to scared once again because there's a lot of scary stuff in cancer.
0: Definitely. You're selling some books right now. I'm getting a chat line here that uh, somebody's going to buy it and going to buy some for friends. Because, um, you know, everybody knows somebody affected by cancer it's um you know it's not i want to talk a little bit because what's in our notes there about parkinson and some of the rare things um uh, als for example lou gehrig disease uh what kind of experience do you have with those if any because those are pretty rare um i think with als it's one out of uh sixteen thousand or something like it's very but it's absolutely watch out you know it's um. Uh, I Devastating.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's uh, t- terrifying for someone who values movement so much. I would say something like ALS or full-blown quadriplegia would be the thing that scares me the most. Um, but whatever you're dealing with, and it's funny, uh, people come out me and they say, well, I want to exercise, but I got this. I just had a baby or I'm in menopause or I, I had Parkinson's. Really the answer to all of it is the same is uh, don't do any harm. Let's push the needle forward 1% every day. Do a little bit. Never push too hard. Like when I uh, waged my comeback from devastatingly weak and scrawny from cancer, I never had a setback because. I didn't worry about who I used to be. I just thought, okay, today I can do this without doing any harm. And at first it was just get in the pool and wiggle. I didn't even try to walk. Really? That's interesting. Oh yeah. I would go in that warm therapy pool at of Health and Fitness. Bless Joe Cerulli for providing mm-hmm. a gym, everything. But I would get in there. I was the youngest person in there by 30, 40 years, most days. And it was me and my little bald head and I would just get in and wiggle around. And eventually, and I would do that for 10 minutes and I'd get out and go home. And then I'd go back and eventually I started stretching in the water. And then eventually I started kicking my legs and moving my arms. And, you know, again, it's being compassionate yet determined. And can you push the envelope little teeny bits at a time, whether you have Parkinson and Parkinson's, golly, there's, you know, there's so many specific things. It's about not dragging your feet, lifting those knees so you don't trip. Uh, Parkinson's, people start to shuffle and that leads to falls. And so, you know, each category of illness or injury will have its own parameters. I highly recommend physical therapists. I think that's, you know, that's the medical savvy personal trainer that people struggling with mobility issues and weakness issues need. Uh, But yeah, it's got to do something. Don't do nothing. If you do nothing, everything will get worse. If you do something, you can stave off the decline and hopefully get better.
0: You have any exercises to take in the easy chair? <laughs> yep. That's the biggest enemy, you know. So many people get in the chair and they don't get out of the chair. It's very easy to do. Well, uh,
1: it's it's so funny because uh, one of the chapters in here, I have exercises to do in an exam room, and the reason being is because you know, of course, for me it was cancer. Maybe somebody else they're in there with like heart health or whatever, but. Uh, this one's called training during treatment. But when you go to all these doctor appointments, you sit in the lobby and then you go back and you sit and you get in that private room waiting for your doctor. Well, okay. Either you can sit on your butt and accomplish nothing, or you can get up and you can exercise. You can use the exam room table to stretch your hips and your back, and you can do pushups against the countertops. And I don't know. I did all sorts of fun stuff because I was squirmy. Even when I was sick, I just thought I got to get up and move. And once that door is shut, and nobody's looking at you. Who cares? Put in your earbuds and dance around if you need. But uh, where there's a will, there's a way. Right, Ward?
0: I like that. I like that. You got a little bit of everything everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Anything you want to wind down with? We got about five minutes left. That's been really how uh, people love your uh faith spirit and enthusiasm I'm reading here um, you know uh, that's uh, three things that are coming across as you talk um let's re uh, let's re up where they can get your book they can get it at um, your website or they can get it on amazon a place like that right correct yeah on your website they get an actual signed copy huh
1: yeah that's right I mean you know amazon amazon amazon's a big taker they're a great partner but Uh, I prefer people to come through fitsness.com and I make it enticing. I sign all the books. And if you, you have a place to write who the book I'm who I'm inscribing it to. And you can tell me that it's my dad dealing with brain cancer or my daughter who's struggling with ovarian cancer, whatever it is. And I'll, I'll make it sweet. And I put fun little gifts and, you know, I just want when it, when my readers receive it, it looks beautiful. It makes them feel happy. and, You know, again, when our our loved one gets diagnosed, we instantly think, oh, my gosh, what can I do? And then sometimes we do nothing because we don't know what to do. I think I don't think I know these books are powerful tools to actually help your friend. And, you know, I'm really desperate to get in the hands of everybody because it will help them. And oh, oh, the journal. So let me tell you about the journal, Ward. It's not only a place to put your diagnosis, details, scans and so forth, but a place to uh, in a cathartic way information about your friends and your faith and your family and your feelings. And then the back page pages, 100 pages is all a daily fitness log for people to track their exercise, nutrition, sleep, um, and so forth on a daily. But do you know what strawberry moments are, Ward? No, tell me. Okay, so there's always a, a call for the strawberry moments and my kids went to Camp Crystal here in Alachua County. It's the sleepaway camp out in the woods. And they uh-huh. love, it. but every night at Camp Crystal, the campers gather around in their cabin and they uh, talk about their strawberry moments from each day. And your strawberry moment is at camp could be, you know, I won the canoe race, or I learned a new song, or made a new friend. It's your best moment of each day. And so, even with cancer, even with injury, or Parkinson's, or ALS, or aging, or whatever you're going through, there's always a silver lining, right? There's always the best part of your day. And so, you know, with cancer, perhaps it's great news, your strawberry moment, or you got a text from an old friend, or I don't know, your nurse is super sweet. So just in life, start logging those strawberry moments. You know, I want our cancer patients to do it and my readers to enjoy that, but Whoever you are, look around. If you're someone prone to griping, you know, boy, I was stuck in a traffic jam. Oh, can you believe it? It took me an extra 10 minutes. Okay. When I'm in a traffic jam, all I think about is how grateful I am not to be in the accident up ahead that caused the traffic jam. So <laughs> with your perspective, even during cancer, even with ALS, you can find a reason to be happy. And that's got to come from within. Other people can't do it for you. So I don't know, Joel, I... Joy is worth the effort.
0: I'll be darned. That's a great little slogan. Well, we're right down at the end of the wire here, Fitz. It's been really a lot of fun. And um, I'm I'm glad we're selling some books for you. Fitness.com. And you'll get that great book with that great cover and spread it around to people and give them it as a Christmas gift, even though it's not Christmas yet. There you go. And it's always great to have you on the show. We'll have you back sometime. Uh, I can't remember when the last time it was we talked. I think you had been in the cancer world the last time we talked,
1: yes, yeah, yeah I think you're still going through treatment ward, I could be wrong, but <laughs> I
0: think so. yeah I, I think it was, so uh that's that's a that's a that's a positive experience we've had well, we're gonna have to say goodbye today tomorrow, my friends we uh always have our Wednesday with Ted Yoho, and we try to figure out what's going on in washington d c and if you can figure it out or help us, you're better than we are because. It's a mystery place to us, but uh, a lot of stuff going on there that matters to us. Uh, but this is a refreshing change from that with uh, Fitz Kohler here on uh, all the experiences she's been through and all the way in which she's got uh, so many things to share with us, which will enrich our lives. Fitz, thank you so much. Going to have to sign off now on the Ward Scott Files and I wish everybody a great day. Talk to you later. Bye bye.